I'm going to start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. I must have the volume up. Hi. I hope you guys can hear me but on the podcast. Uh, we finished uh, 6 and 7, and we've covered uh, the steps we took. Change is the name of the game. And now we're going to go back to the book, and we're going to cover 8 and 9, and then we're going to uh, look at 8 and 9 and the steps we took. And these pages in the book I've covered many times, but they're really, really helpful. And remember, steps 8 and 9 come after 1 through 7. So you can't start with your amends. And you have to start with step one. You have to start with admitting you're powerless. You can't manage your life. You have to believe there's a power that can help you, right? Then you make a decision that God's going to be your director. Then step four, you see how you were playing God, and you see your resentments and your fears and your shame and guilt. And then you see your character defects. Then six and seven is where we're going to practice uh, having God change our personality all day long. And step eight is what we've learned in our fourth step. You can't make amends till you've done your fourth step, where you've learned how you've harmed people, who you harmed, and how you harmed them. Does that make sense? So you can't make an amends. Amends is to make something right. You can't make something right until you know how you made it wrong. So we're on page 76. And it says, now we need more action. So we've, we've read the two paragraphs on 6 and 7. We spent a lot of time on 6 and 7, which is how I practice God's character all day long. And we have the spiritual checklist, which is my character on the right, right, left. And when I do that, things don't go well. And I want to practice God's character. And six and seven is how I stop practicing my character and practice his character with his help all day long. And that's something that you learn how to do each day. You get a sponsor, you, you talk to him about how you reacted during the day, how you could have done differently. You say the prayers on page 86 at night, look at your inventory, inventory during the day. And it says, now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. Now that's quoted from scripture, the book of James. And a lot of people like that. And remember Dr. Bob read the book of James every morning with his wife and Bill W. the first two months of his sobriety. They studied the book of James at uh, early meetings. And book of James is how we practice uh, what Christ uh, talked about, how we can be. It's a, it's a book on how to be and, and uh, how to be that. The Bible is, tells us how I should be, and the big book, and the book of James, is how do I do that? And, and, and the book of James doesn't have the detail that the big book does. The big book is how do I actually practice God's character? 
How do I be the person that God created? And that's what it's all about. And faith without works is dead, is changed with me. I don't think it has anything to do with salvation. If, I'm, if I have faith in AA, is trust in God. Now, I start with belief. I believe that God can help me. But I don't know that he can do that yet because I've never let him. I've run my whole life. So we learn in step four the prayers for fear, the prayers for anger, the prayers how we remove shame and guilt. And when we do that, we see how God can take away my fear. He can take away my anger. And then I begin to trust him. And six and seven is where we do that all day long. God, remove my fear and direct my attention to how I should be. Be loving, kind, patient, tolerant, considered compassion. God, so-and-so is pissing me off. Let me show them love, patience, and tolerance as I would a sick friend. How can I be helpful to this person? God, save me from being angry at them. God, give me a kind and tolerant view of them. Now, I've learned through the years that when I say that, it goes away. So I trust God. And so I have trust in God. And remember, it says on page 68, how do we get rid of fear? We live on a different basis trusting and relying on God. We don't start out with trust because we've never allowed God to work in our lives. And so we learn through these steps that God can work in my life. And I trust him and him alone, not me. Anybody trust themselves? No. Fire yourself. No. Well, we don't know how to in the beginning, but we learn. Six and seven is just where you fire yourself in the moment. You know, I had to go to the food store with Pai today. That's quite a spiritual experience. And uh, I did really well. You know, I kept my mouth shut. I followed the directions, and it went good. I'm being silly, but people are people. We are who we are. She's great. Uh, and so how do, we, how do we change from being a little bit judgmental to tolerant all day long with God? Now, if I, I can't have faith if I don't have trust. Now, the problem with faith without works is that if I'm not doing the steps all the time, if I'm not serving God and his children, if I'm not turning myself away from me to whom I can help, then that faith's going to die. And then guess what? I start running the show. So. Faith without works is dead to me means that I can't have a relationship with God without doing the works, which is not going to happen. And a dead relationship with God for an alcoholic means that I have no power not to drink. And Bruce wants the obsession gone. Well, God's the only one that can remove that. And you have to have a relationship with him. You can't be praying. Praying won't work. That's not action. It's the action of allowing God to work by getting rid and letting go of the things that are blocking him. And then you learn that you, to trust God. Anybody here trust God? I trust God completely. I still try to manage my life sometimes because it's our nature. But I don't get into nearly the trouble I did years ago. And my days are really good. And. Instead of like, I'm just using a silly example, like 
you know, I irritate Patty. I drive her crazy. But I'm lucky I have somebody to go to the grocery store with who cares <coughs> about me. And she has a certain way that she wants the groceries put, and that's fine. See? And you see things differently. And so faith without works is dead. It says we have a daily reprieve based on a fit spiritual condition. And a fit spiritual condition requires work. People think you can pray in AA and get fit spiritually. No, it doesn't happen, right? A lot of people prayed every day and they still ran their life and it still became a mess. Now prayer is good, if, but it has to be followed with action and inventory. So the three things we do in AA to keep our faith alive, we inventory our thinking all the time and we meditate on how God wants us to be and then we pray. And so that's steps 10 and 11. So faith without works is dead. So you need more action. And then does anybody get like a pin in AA saying you've done enough, you're great, you don't have to do anymore? No, you can get all the coins, you can have the longest sobriety in the world and still be a mass, because that's just not drinking. You want to have a faith that works. And what does it do for you? It gives you peace of mind. You're not in conflict with everybody and everything. You can be of service to God and your fellow man. What could be better than that? And then you have to keep doing the works or else it stops. And, and so the faith with works is alive means that you're seeing, you're thinking all the time when you're separated from him. And he says, no, that's not right. You're not thinking right. You get it? You have this power, you've tapped this power that can guide you during the day. So if you were thinking, oh, maybe a drink's a good idea, the power will say, no, 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 bad idea. But without that power, you'll think it's a good idea. And so I really believe that faith without works is dead, is that if I don't have trust, reliance on God, and doing the work of the steps, it's gonna, my faith dies, and then I lose the power. I lose the connection, and that's what we need. So other people may, on the site may not like what I'm saying and this and that. We're not talking about the Book of James and salvation, and it's, I think it's misused. We're talking about a living relationship with, with God that actually works. Remember, we want a new design for living. Why? Mine didn't work. Anybody's work? No. So we want God's design for living, and we have to do the action to, to be in that world where God's the center of it. So, that was a lot of babbling. I hope it made sense, made sense to me. It's, it's really important for me to remember that. I can't rest on my laurels. Why? Because alcohol is a subtle foe. It's waiting. So I have to do the work all the time to keep that faith that relationship with God alive. That's why they really like the book of James and they really, that's why faith without works is in the big book, I think two or three times. Let's look at steps eight and nine. So we have a list of all persons we have harmed. How do you get that? You get that in step four. You, you do all your resentments and you realize that most of the people that you resented, you owe amends to. 
that what the, you were angry about them for wasn't really true or that you actually harmed them or you set the ball rolling. You look at relationships. We, we, uh, we look at our relationships, sexual and otherwise, and we see who we've harmed in those. And then we, we acted on those and we had fear. And then when we acted on fear, we harmed other people. So we have a list. So if you haven't done that step, you can't do step eight and nine because you don't have a list and you don't know how you harmed them. When I do a step four with someone, when they do the resentment, I say, now, did you harm this person? Well, yeah, how did you harm them? What exactly did you do? Because you want to make that right. Now, a lot of people hated people. You know, now that's harmful, but you're not going to go up to somebody and say, well, I'm sorry I hated you for 20 years. That's not going to make the relationships better. But you may see that hating them harmed your relationship, and you may want to practice love and tolerance to them, and that's how you're going to make your amends. You're going to be kind and loving to them. You see how it works? But you have to have done that. And to whom we are willing to make amends. Now, if you're not willing to make amends, you have to go back and do whoever you're not willing to make amends to again on your four-step because you haven't forgiven them and you haven't said the prayers. Remember, you do the first three columns, who you're angry at, what they did, and why we were threatened, and then it says we look at it from a different angle. The per these people are perhaps spiritually ill, just like me. And so what do I do? I say the four prayers. Give me love, patience, and tolerance for so-and-so. How can I be helpful to them? God save me from being angry at them. Give me a kind and tolerant view of them. Now that's designed for you to see them differently. And that's the process of forgiveness. And if you haven't forgiven someone, it's going to block you from God. You see, and if you're blocked from God, then you don't, you don't have a faith that works, right? And you want your faith that works. And so you, you have to be willing to make amends. Now I hear people say, I'm never going to make amends to that person. I said, well, fine. How's that going to work for you? Let me know how it works. See, you play God when you want to forgive somebody. And remember, we're all spiritually ill. Anybody in here is not spiritually ill? So it took me a few years. John's going to like this. It took me a few years to realize that I was on some people's resentment lists. <laughs> what a shock. Boy, I pissed that way off. I pissed that one off, and uh, I realized, you know? And so I had to make amends, and try to act differently. And, and so being able to forgive allows me to be forgiven. Remember, we were forgiven as we forgive those. Forgiving is really important. Now, don't confuse forgiving with excusing. Some people do things that are inexcusable. That's okay but I have to forgive them. Now Sandy Beach, Grady Loves, he's now dead a few years. He was a great speaker, really fantastic. He said that in AA we forgive everything up to and including what? Crucifixion. Think about it. So no matter what they've done, God forgive them. They know not what they do. And in AA we forgive everybody that doesn't mean we excuse them, but if I forgive them, I'm free of the bondage to them. It has nothing to do with them. I don't want to be in bondage to them. So this A step, being willing to make amends, is so important. And I used to say this, so I guess I'll say it again, that when you get to this part, when you've worked eight and nine, 
and some of them you can't actually make amends. We'll discuss that in, in directly. I'm not afraid of anybody walking through the door because I know if I see them and if I need to make amends, I can make the amends. I've forgiven them. I'm not scared. I don't get this. Oh, I say, oh, good. I can make amends. And the, that gives you freedom from fear of people. Have you ever heard the promises? We are free of fear of people. And you get free of that, that fear when you're willing to make amends with them. Now, if you haven't forgiven somebody, you're going to be afraid when they walk through the door. And you don't want that. So this is really an important step. Eight, eight is not a trivial step. And you have to be willing to make amends to everyone. All, it says all. And so, um, and as you go through this, you'll see uh, things you did and you will want to make amends. But I can't make amends at 73 to something I did when I was 19. Can't do it anymore. But I know that if I saw that person, I could make the amends if it wouldn't cause more harm. And also, it, I realize I don't have to act that way today. And then I realize also that the reason I did that was because I was running my life. And I didn't have the program and a relationship with God. And I had a faith that was dead. And so you see how it all ties together? And we made it when we took inventory. And you can't do it in your head. The inventory has to be a written list. And I follow it right out of the book. And you go with someone who's done it right out of the book. It's not that complicated. And it sets you free. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. That's what you do in your inventory. It's drastic. Notice the word self-appraisal. I'm appraising how I thought drastically. Why? Because I don't want to live that way anymore. You with me so far? And so that's what you're doing. And now we're going to go out to my fellows and repair the damage done in the past. That's how you get right with the world. Remember, when we come in here, we're in conflict with a lot of people. We've done a lot of terrible things. So how do we get right? We're willing to make amends to them. We're willing to do this. We've seen the damage we've done in the past, and we're going to go out to my fellows. And we attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show to ourselves. So I'm going to sweep away the debris, which is scattered pieces of waste, which is accumulated where? In my head, out of my effort to live on self-will and run the show. Now, some of you were here when I had the, uh, we were going to put the house up and I had to empty that garage space. Bill, were you there? I was luckily in Wisconsin. Oh, anyway, we had this third garage stall that was packed with crap that had been there, accumulated over 20 years. And it was there. And guess what? I got this big trash thing, dumpster. dumpster. I uh, asked for volunteers at AA like, on a Saturday morning. And in two hours, we cleared it all out. It was there for 15 years. And that's what we do in the fourth step. I've got all this crap in here that's accumulated for years. And within 
a few days of doing the fourth step, you can get rid of all of it. Now, we did that about 18 months ago. There's stuff starting to accumulate again. <laughs> so we're going to have to get another dumpster. But it's not as bad as it was. But you see it? And I want to sweep away the debris and, and that is accumulated. Because if I have debris and it's still in my head, I can't have a faith that works. I can't have a relationship with God because I'm blocked by it. So a lot of people have ideas about what they need to do to stay sober and this and that. I have to sweep away the debris, which is accumulated of a life on self-will, and allow God to, to run my life. And then every day, we sweep it every day, and at night we look back at night. The six and seven that we talked about for quite a while is how we don't want any debris to accumulate during the day. Just. Stop right there. If we have it the will to do this, we ask until it comes. This is so important that they, they put this paragraph in there, but it's really got so much in it, doesn't it? If I have not the will, I ask. I ask God, give me the will. Give me the will. And he will if you ask him. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. Now, they're not talking about 90 meetings in 90 days. They're talking about establishing a relationship with God through the action of the steps so that they had a power in their life that could give them power over alcohol. Now, I've been sober a long time, but I don't have any power not to drink today. None. But I have the power to choose to seek God who has the power. You see? If I start thinking I have the power, well then, wow, I'm really hot stuff. And then I'm running the show. And then I think I'm responsible for my recovery. You get the picture? And before you know it, I'm in the liquor store. And I say, how'd that happen? You see, it's subtle. So we have to remember to seek God all the time. And that's what these steps are. And then I want to sweep away the debris. And I want to make things right so I'm not afraid of anyone. And remember, in the beginning, we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. Now, what does that mean, any lengths? It means any lengths. What length are you not willing to do? Now, what makes you willing to go to any lengths for victory over alcohol? Pain, suffering. You, can't, you don't want to live the way you were anymore. And uh, I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to go back. I don't want to be disturbed today, so I'm trying to do it all day long. Any lengths for victory over alcohol. Now, the problem I see, and I see it a lot, is I try to help somebody, and they're not willing to go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. They're willing to do something. They have a plan in their head. They'll tell it to you. And you listen to it, and you say, great. And then you say, well, can you do this? And they don't do it. And so they're not willing to listen to directions to go to any length for victory over alcohol. See, in AA they say, watch your feet, not your lips. What are you willing to do? What actions are you taking? Call me every day. That's very complicated, isn't it? They can't do it. They'll call me. They didn't call today, they'll call tomorrow. Oh, I was busy and so, you know. I'll say, uh, show up Saturday and we'll meet after the meeting. Sunday they call, oh, 
I was tired, I worked so hard, and uh, well, you, you, they're not willing to go to any length. Now, who's the person that tells them that they don't have to call? They do. It's the same person that could say, get a drink. Who tells them they don't need to do this step or read this stuff or listen to it? They do. But they're the ones that ruin their life with their thinking. We talked about old ideas. Anything that I think I know, it was wrong. <laughs> so I need someone else to tell me. That's why this book is great, because they're telling you what they did. Now, you don't have to like it or agree with it. Fine, have a party. But if your life doesn't work out, you might want to do this. And they don't tell you to do this. No one tells you to do this. It's suggested. And I suggested that if you do everything in, into action how it works, you have a faith that works and you won't drink again. And your life will be better. You have peace. Now, you know what AA says? Do this and tell us the result. That's what we're supposed to do at meetings. We're supposed to share how this changed our lives. So that the new person will say, I want to do this. How can I do it? When can I do it? Very few people come up to me and say, what can I do? Please. No, they may ask me to help them, but they put conditions on it or tell me what they're willing to do or not willing to do. That's fine. but. Uh, I found that we need the desperation of a drowning man. That's what it says on page 28. We sought with the same desperation of a drowning man this relationship with God. And it says, at first, what seemed a flimsy reed, I'm drowning, becomes the hand of God. So the person that I met and I asked to help me, he was a flimsy reed. And then over time, things happen. And now it's the hand of God. So a, God works through people. That's why we, we have to constantly be trying to help each other and carry the message. But I can't make people do the message. I can't make them desperate. So that was a lot of rambling. But I just wanted to cover that paragraph today. Was it OK? Yeah. All right. And so now we'll open it up. And uh, then we'll pick up with uh, the bottom of page uh, 76 on uh, Saturday.